Hello and welcome to Dog Talk with me, your host, Nick Benger, the ultimate podcast to help you take the next step in your dog training journey by learning from the best experts from around the world. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another podcast. This is number 35. Uh, A couple of things to go through, as always. If you're not already with us on the Facebook discussion group, then you can find that just by searching for Dog Talk with Nick Benger podcast discussion group. Put in a request to join and we'll accept. That's where we talk about the podcast. And yeah, we've had some really cool discussions there. We've currently, as, as I record this, we're doing the poll for guest of the year, which is a lot of fun. So yeah, we just have a bit of a laugh over there. It's where I post the podcast first as well. So you can stay updated on that. This podcast is sponsored by Butternut Box. Butternut Box is a really cool British company. Uh, They make the healthiest natural dog food from fresh ingredients and they deliver it to you. It's perfectly portioned. It's great for dogs that are fussy eaters or have sensitive stomachs. And it's one of the few dog foods that has a five-star rating on All About Dog Food. So I really recommend them. They're a great company and they have given podcast listeners 75% off their first order and to get that offer just go to buttonupbox.com slash nick benger this podcast is with steve goodall and jordan shelley uh just to give you a bit of background i headed down to the new forest which is where they're based and we recorded this in person on their equipment so yeah it was a great laugh and while I was there, we also recorded another episode, which is going to be released on their show, which is called The Barking Mad Show. And you can find that just by searching for that on any of the podcast apps. So definitely check out that one. And if you go to the... That will be released within the next few days. So if you if if you go to their channel and you find that it's not there, just just wait a few days, subscribe to their feed and all that kind of good stuff. So let's get into it. All right, well, welcome, Stephen Jordan, to Hello. My, Hello. my podcast on your equipment. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is really, really weird. I thought a good starting place, Steve, would be to talk about your book that's yes. coming out, Puppy Tales. Thank you very much for that. Um, I, yeah, I'll give you a really, really quick, the digested version of it. So um, I've written a book with... Uh, um, my old mentor, actually, the person that I actually started my dog training journey with, um, Sally Bradbury. Um, the basic premise of the book is it's a children's book um, that adults can read to their kids, with their kids, um, and everyone learns something about it, um, about dog training. There's two puppies. Um, they both go to different families. One family does um, inverted commas all the right stuff one family does inverted commas all the wrong stuff and the consequences and, and things like that and uh, and a very happy ending at the end so that's no. yeah that's nice I, I'm excited about it I've never done a book before it's very strange um, and yeah trying to do all the marketing at the moment I'm, I'm a complete fish out of water with that so well, you illustrated uh, the whole thing didn't you that yeah and I did I, drew, I drew it as well yeah which oh is wow nice. yeah that's that's uh, that's really cool and also like I, I don't see a lot of people doing children's books mm. within the training community. And and that makes a lot of sense because, you know, everyone talks about trying to educate people young. Yeah. But but the majority of dog training books aren't aimed towards children. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get the next generation coming up and 
Because I, I, I remember how impressionable I was when I was that young and how into animals I was as well. I remember mm. whenever I used to go um, on holiday, we used to do a um, uh, an insect like rescue from the swimming pools. Like me and my friend used to go like, and we'll rescue all no. the insects that were drowning in the swimming pools. And like, we had like a little hospital set up on the end. And like, I was massively into animals and I didn't really... Yeah, we would have gotten quite well as kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, when we were writing the book, that was something we were definitely talking about, like how impressionable, how those things, when you see those things or you saw that film, like I'm a massive Star Wars fan. The impression that Star Wars made on me when I was a kid is, is still as strong today in my geeky head mm-hmm. as it was back then. So I think, yeah, trying to get kids involved. It was, I do that in my classes as well. We really like family and our public classes really try and encourage people to bring kids along and some people might shy away from that because it can be challenging on occasion mm-hmm. and I'm not an expert when it comes to children by the way yeah, not Gav's not in the room unfortunately no yeah, yeah. He's, he's, an expert, he's, expert. Uh, he's definitely out all of us the, yeah the more uh, it's more his area of expertise without a doubt well I literally just did a podcast on that oh wow with uh, Jennifer Shryock and she is like that's what she does you know she works with families and, and children mm-hmm. and uh, I, that's exactly what I said you know I know that I think if I'm honest I feel a bit awkward about working with children and stuff like that but she was you know saying how important it is mm. that actually you know people like us that are involved in training do get involved with the with the children as well because they're so much of a part of dogs lives yeah yeah well they're every yeah, all the time and that that gap that you don't see those you don't see those people the people that are in your classes yeah, the whole time they're there those are the things that we never get to see that we never get to experience and, and that's the things in, in our puppy classes that I'm trying to sort of bridge the gap there to try and, and try and realistically to... as well the dogs spend most of their time with the kids rather than the parents when you yeah. think about it because mum and dad are always running around like lunatics doing things in the house yep. and it's the kids that are sat on the sofa with the bowl of food you know while the dog's sat on their feet you know that's <laughs> yeah. realistically what's happening or yeah. waiting for things them to drop things and stuff like that so yeah. that's about... I found I mean I might be going off topic a little bit here but I, what something I've always found is that you you have this idea of what you imagine it, your kids are going to be like, like getting on with your dog. As trainers, we have this idea of how we would do it. So the way we're talking about Gav there, it's a shame he's not here because he'd love this conversation, mm-hmm. but um, the way his kids are with his dogs is amazing. And the way that they manage the environment and everything, and I'm sure, I haven't listened to your podcast, but I'm sure it would be on a par with everything that was being said there. Yet... A lot of people that I have that come into my classes and that, they don't put any of that management in mm. place. And still their lives go... It, it goes okay, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that's necessarily an ideal, an ideal thing, but it shows how... Adaptable dogs are. Adaptable dogs are, exactly. Yeah. You know, really, that's a, that's a big... It is a big thing I see a lot. Well, I think, and, and dogs part with a lot. They really do. I mean, Doesn't mean they should have to. No, they shouldn't <laughs> have to. When we, when we can put the management yeah. in place, then we really should, uh, especially around young kids, just for yeah. safety reasons. But they put up with a hell of a lot. And well, they do. well, Jordan, you, you obviously, you, you worked with Ian Dunbar. Mm-hmm. And one of the quotes that always sticks into my head when I think of Ian Dunbar is how he talks about dogs are so beatable. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> like you know, it's it's, it's horrible, but unfortunately, like I started off working um, as I'm sure a lot of people know as a, as a sort of an old school dominance based trainer, and it's incredible how forgiving dogs are. You know, you can mm. do all sorts of things to them, and they'll still come back with a waggy tail and looking yeah. for love. So, you know, that's the reason why we really have to uh, um, respect them for who they are and uh, uh, kind of work with them and nurture them rather than uh, uh, correcting them the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So was this your idea for the book or was it, it was joint mine? Or? And I think Sally had the idea 
apart from me and then I came to her and said oh I would like to write a kids book and she goes oh, I've got this idea and then yeah. it went from there oh very nice went from there yeah we so was there something topic. that prompted this or I think it was uh, yeah I think just uh, it hadn't been long bear in mind this took a long it's a kids book right it's not some massive tome and it took about six years to write wow. it um, mostly because of procrastination and all of that <laughs> stuff I mean, I'll be honest um, and yeah, I think I think just being around classes, being in classes, seeing families. At, at that time, I worked at the training school that Sally ran. Um, I started volunteering there, um, and then and then I got a job there, and that's how I got into dog training. Um, and we were just seeing a lot of families with kids, and a lot of people doing it right, the right way, the wrong way, you know, whichever, whichever and seeing how how we could benefit that basically. And again, at that time, those many years ago, there still was quite a big gap in the market for that sort of thing. So we thought, yeah, let's give it a go. And I had the bonus of being able to draw cartoons as well so I thought you know that would save a bit of save a bit of money <laughs> and he realised he's got skill <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what kind of age, ri- age range are we talking about here like, what, so I'm pin- I'm pinning it around the sort of 8 to sort of 12 range um, okay. although again I'm probably Sally would be the better person to talk to about this because uh-huh. I'm not um, not having kids myself. She's got like grandkids and she's all around kids a lot. So yeah. So what about, you're saying is you don't really know. It's a, yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm not 100 percent sure. Out. Yeah, yeah. But I I like it. But then I'm biased. <laughs> I'm, but I'm 40, so you know. <laughs> and when does this come out? It's going to come out in December. I haven't got a concrete okay. date yet. But if anyone is interested yeah. in it, we've got a Facebook page which is Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. We've also got a website called um, jackandbillypuppytales.com um, so if anyone is interested get over there um, they can sign up to an email list and we can keep people informed about when it's going to come out but I saw the um, I had the final cover designs sent to me this week so that's all been ticked off and now we're getting some um, test actual prints sent out to us and as soon as we give the go ahead on that it's going to print so fingers crossed for Christmas Exciting that's time. what yeah, I'm looking exciting. for mm. yeah, I think it's so important to get the right message out there uh, um, to young young people yeah. about how to interact properly with dogs Littlands. Yeah, and I think it's also uh, really important as well for people to teach uh, young children but young people especially teenagers and all that kind of thing how to train dogs and work with dogs because learning how to modify behaviour is um, super helpful both for uh, obviously the dogs because they're living together Mm. but also for themselves you know when you're especially if you're a frustrated teenager and you don't understand necessarily what's going on in the world around you giving you that ability to control and and, and change behavior yeah. and modify behavior and a bit of an understanding of how things work really i think is very useful for everybody and a frustrated four-year-old who doesn't understand how the world works yeah it works for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also i think like well i think i'm not sure what your story is steve with, mm-hmm. with regards to how you came into this but i know Jordan, you probably had a similar mm-hmm. introduction to me. You know, when I was getting into um, dog training, my introduction was watching Caesar Milan, yeah. you know, and, and I just became obsessed with watching Caesar Milan, watched all of the series. That's you know, exactly the same as me. Went to the no, UK tour, like mm. bought the shirt, was on the forums. Like, I, I didn't deep, go that far. I was, <laughs> I was deep into like Caesar Milan fandom, Caesar. right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always say, like, you know, all the other kids at school they wanted to be like Ronaldo or Messi <laughs> I wanted to be Caesar I wanted to be Caesar Milan <laughs> but the thing is I, I, I kind of started a similar sort of it was love of Caesar Milan and also uh, I, the first trainer I worked with was ex-Israeli army and, I don't yeah, know that uh, he was ex-Israeli army, and so he was quite old. School, oh, yeah. sorry, I thought it was a no, name. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. General X, no, no, no. Uh, and yeah. he'd been. Uh, 
ex for quite a while, so he was obviously retired. Oh, and okay. So obviously all the things that he was doing, meth- methodology, were quite old school. I can imagine. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. And it was that kind of progression from there, really. And it's interesting because as a kid, if you'd gone and met me when I was really young, I probably would have been completely the opposite with all the animals I was surrounded by because I was, from a very young age, similar to you, not necessarily rescuing insects, but yeah. uh, I had a house full of like stray kittens and puppies and I was driving my parents crazy. Um, and I think then I didn't have that urge to dominate he says in inverted commas it's weird isn't it because it makes it made like i when i watched caesar because I, I, I didn't go as far down maybe as far down the road as you did Nick, <laughs> but i definitely watched it and when i watched it it made sense yeah. to me uh-huh. oh, yeah of course pack animals they've got to be and they are like walls you know that sort of thing um but when you do that stuff i still i still do remember thinking nah, something about this don't quite doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel like Hell I should be doing I'm this. I'm not a wolf, nor is the dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but because you you take it, you know, I I just thought it was on telly. It was everywhere. Yeah. Literally, mm. you could watch a day's worth of seeds yeah. of the Dog Whisperer yeah. on National mm. Geographic, and um, so it must be, it must mm. be true. Why would they? Why would they put it on? You know, if this if, had this not been, I imagine TV programs are made with people in white jackets checking off all the facts, like going down, going yes, we can put this out mm. now. I'm guessing that doesn't. No, that doesn't well, matter. well, the reason I <laughs> the reason I brought it up is because. I didn't do that because, like, I enjoyed dominating my dog or anything like that. It was right. just that that's what I thought I had to do to solve the problems I was having. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And and that goes back to what Jordan was saying about educating people, like, even people that were teenagers, because I was a teenager when I got into this, mm-hmm. about how to actually change behaviour, mm-hmm. like, it, the the actual science of it all. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't mean that you have to go really geeky with it, but, no. but you know, teaching people how this actually works... So, <laughs> Because if if that was out there for me, I certainly wouldn't have. No, no. You know, I mean, I was open to logic. Yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just thought that was a way of doing it. No one knew, right? And you, you think that what you're doing is the right thing because you're being told by everybody, even vets. For, to be fair, and some still do say, "Oh, yep. you know, they talk about dominance, they talk about this and that." Mm-hmm. When they, when it comes to training and behaviour, and actually things have moved on uh, so far from that now that hopefully the message is getting out there and people are getting it's so in- it's massive I don't want to be a naysayer but it's so massively ingrained mm-hmm. I, I hear it a week don't go by I don't think where I don't hear one of my clients who I've who maybe been in my classes for six weeks and I've spoken a lot about it and you know just to come up to me is this because you know is this because he's trying to dominate me or it's so ingrained mm-hmm. in, in the culture I think I it'll think, take a while for it. Well, I think also, in some respects, the the argument in in training is kind of fragmented because you've now got like sort of balanced trainers yeah, somewhere in the middle, which doesn't easy, make, doesn't yeah, it makes things more complicated. Mm. Um, I personally would say that we have to stop looking at whether we're uh, uh, whether we identify with a particular quadrant in in some kind of vague mm. it's a vague uh, theoretical works really well in a lab but you can't really take that and say I, I just sit in this one quadrant that's all I do actually what what yeah. you should be looking at is am I someone that sets the dog up to succeed or am I mm-hmm. someone that sets the dog up to fail really because mm. that's what it comes down to set the dog up to succeed and then reward and, and, and always you know manage so that they don't get into the scenarios uh, um, where you'd, you'd have to put them in the position to be corrected. I think yeah. that's, the, that's the big thing. You, yeah. know, you wouldn't... Just because uh, we don't smack children doesn't mean we don't say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it's the same with dogs. Yeah. It's really that simple. It's not like a really complex scientific question. It's, it's that we don't abuse them because we don't need to and we understand mm-hmm. how science works and we can change mm-hmm. their behaviour in other ways. Yeah, well, I love how you put that, for sure. Yeah. I completely feel the same way. But, but at the same time, it's, it's not... Um, 
it, people don't go out set out to abuse their dogs no. you know they, they, no. like I said earlier they're just trying to do the right thing but if they're exposed to the wrong information mm-hmm. and the wrong sources then you can go down a really bad and the, rabbit the hole. saying desperate times uh, uh, call for desperate measures people are desperate mm-hmm. when things go really wrong and they, they'll mm-hmm. do whatever it, ever, ever it takes to save their dog and to save their relationship and to make things work or whatever it is because yeah. people don't realise how often we get called into cases and we actually become counsellors I mean yeah. the amount of times you go in and there's like some kind of feuding thing going on amongst the family as well as mm-hmm. the dog and that's half the issue mm-hmm. um, and so actually it's you know mm-hmm. you just have to be very understanding of both the person and the dog I think that's yeah, yeah. And try and try and show them success because I think that's the big thing. People always say, "How do you change uh, uh, people's minds about dominance?" I don't really bother getting into the whole debate or discussion. I just show them what I'm doing works, and that's that. Yeah. And once they see it working, they're like, "Well, I'll take that." <laughs> yeah, completely yeah. agree. That that was how I was always taught as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's no need to bring it up unless it becomes like really necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, so some pe- sometimes people will say to me, "You know, is he doing that because he's dominant or mm-hmm. whatever?" and uh, I don't then go spouting off about suddenly, you know, yeah. yeah, like David Meech. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, it's like no, there's no need for that yeah. Yeah. unless it becomes so persistent yeah. in, in the person's thinking that you actually have to address it. Yeah, and you can just say no. The dog frustrated, and this is what we do. You know, that's the thing is people are, people often get really distracted by why they ask why why why, and actually, kind of what and how is far more important. What's the dog doing, and how do I solve it? Yeah. Mm. And the why is not always that, you know, especially when it's a bit one particular behaviour. Uh, it gets more complicated when you, when you start looking at a whole picture of a dog and you're dealing with like reactivity, and then you have to look at de-stressing the whole scenario. But mm. terminology is a big thing, and how we how we talk about dogs. It's uh, massive in our community, mm-hmm. but I, d- I wonder how how big it is in outside. Yeah, outside. I don't think people mm. they don't give too. What's hoops. massive? Sorry, like terminology, like okay. the sort of like. So mm. you could say what we see is the word dominance. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily what people are mm. talking about no. either. I think that mixes things up. So mm. suddenly we hear that word, we all get mm. we get stacked. You know, like oh my god, that <laughs> dominance. The big yeah. D words come up, and then we feel we need to. Yeah, and like you but bring up frustration. Same, yeah, it's, it's another stress one as well. It? Stress is a really interesting one because people yeah. talk about stress and they say, "Well, stress is a really bad thing." Actually, is all stress bad? No, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Arousal levels are arousal levels, and mm-hmm. a certain amount of stress is necessary for for learning. Mm-hmm. But you just obviously don't want a dog over threshold. They're two completely mm-hmm. different things. Mm-hmm. T- completely different things, and people confuse them. Mm-hmm. They say, "Well, the dog's stress so it must be over threshold." No, 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 not necessarily. No. Well, no. and it's the same thing. Even when, when you break that down even further, when people start talking about cortisol mm-hmm. and how cortisol must be avoided at all costs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Gene Donaldson's got a really incredible article on that. I'll leave it in the uh, show notes for his podcast. But it's like, you know, I think it, it's kind of become like two extremes, hasn't it? Mm. You know, where you, where you had like, or you certainly used to, I think it's even now it's starting to die out. But like you had the real like dominance based trainers that were like really harsh and, you know, they were doing all the alpha rolls and stuff. But now I feel like there are a lot of people that are swinging the other way. And, and like you kind of alluded to earlier there, Jordan, it's like, you know, if if the method isn't a hundred percent P plus, you know, yeah. if it isn't a hundred percent positive reinforcement, then all of a sudden you're like the evilest person in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that Grisha got a lot of. Um, uh, what well, there was the, the, well, when the first load of bat came out, there was um, some difficulty, I believe, with negative I, reinforcement. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, um, I, I can't comment too much on it because mm-hmm. I, I will probably get it all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't like telling other people's stories. No, because, no, no. Fair yeah. enough. I was just saying, it's like, kind of like. You know, sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture. Yeah, you know, like you, like you yeah, said yeah. earlier, mm-hmm. you know. But um, I think it's important. It's always important to keep, to keep the bigger picture in the context in, in in consideration. I think that's huge, both when you're training and dealing with the mm-hmm. people. 
Mm-hmm. It's I I just it's not helpful, is it? Like uh, us ourselves mm-hmm. in our community should be bolstering people up. We should be you know celebrating successes like we would with our. Do- mm-hmm. it, it always never fails to astound me how people like trainers in behaviorists in our community we would call ourselves science based mm-hmm. you know animal trainers are so quick or some of us are so quick to just bang and hammer people down like mm. like I listen to loads you know, of your like podcast where you've brought up from time, like I, I remember I think that's other people's bit. insecurities though yeah well for sure it is yeah, you know mm. and, and, and you were saying on that that little bit before I forget I really liked that where you were like someone would put a video up and then in the comments they go oh yeah I was off with my clicker by 0.5 of a second <laughs> yeah. on the third click I love that because that is what but that is actually what it's like out there and mm-hmm. and yeah you again on that on that one you said you know you don't just be yourself you know put yourself out there because if you're not if someone that's all for our benefit in our community if someone's watching us from like from Joe Public sense of the word they want to see real Mm. real stuff they want to see people make mistakes my dogs aren't perfect Mm -hmm. far from it far from it imperfection is perfection yeah I mean that's the the nature of the world that we live in I'm after characters yeah exactly (laughs) I I think that we we, we obsess over this idea of perfection that doesn't really exist I think sometimes well well, what I was saying as well is people have got to this point on social media where they're so preempting people pointing out their mistakes (laughs) they're like oh no like you said exactly there like you know i clicked a second too late uh 43 seconds in Mm -hmm. it's like that's because they're preempting some idiot coming in the section and being like oh you clicked a bit late yeah i I know what it's like to be trolled (laughs) i mean yeah yeah, i've I've been trolled a a fair bit i've had trolls sort of follow me about for a while it's the king of the troll well yeah there was a while where i I had a a fair few hate groups up against me as well which was quite fun (laughs) um I don't think I'm that hateable, really. <laughs> um, but there we go. So Give it was, time. Yeah. <laughs> Not long, and you're, you're walking out of here. Um, I think, you know, it's all about uh, just being considerate and understanding with each other and giving each other the time and trying to help each other succeed. I think, you know, there's so many dogs in this country. We aren't going to run out of dogs to train. There's more than no. enough for everybody mm. to train. They're everywhere, and there's loads that don't go to training classes. Do you think so that's what it is? about lifting each other up. Insecurity about, like, not having enough business. Maybe. Insecurity about competition because we're always taught that we have to compete with one another to be the best and be the most successful and I actually mm. think that we don't necessarily mm. I think that we should be there holding each other and carrying each other and helping each other succeed I think that's the, the biggest thing yeah definitely like Ryan uh, spoke about this Ryan Cartilage from the Animal Training Academy was talking about how you, you need to have an abundance mindset because if you if you have mm. this starvation mindset, then like you said, Jordan, you know mm-hmm. people are pitted against each other, mm-hmm. and and that's not and that's not just the dog training community either. Like I was listening to a podcast the other day. I think you listened to the Joe Rogan podcast mm-hmm. as well, Steve, yep. where he was talking about um, how that used to be the way in comedy, in comedy, yeah, yep. you know, where stand-ups hated each other yep. because they felt like the only gigs or the only big gigs that were available were like late night shows yeah. so like everyone was pitted against each other and I don't trying think, to get I, a TV show I don't think that uh, um, people should feel uh, uh, starving within our industry for, for work because I think it is abundant I really do I, I, there's so many dogs and there's so many dogs that need training I, I don't see how well we're quite yeah. good so down here we've got um and so, loads of us all around here. Yeah, and we all, we all really help nicely. each other yeah. out. We've got a nice little community going down there. And there's no, I mean, there's, there's a few people on the peripherals that we don't talk about, but, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he says. Um, but, um, but 
but yeah, it's um, we always we're, we're, we're passing work backwards and forwards to yeah. each other and referring cases, meeting up, doing podcasts, mm-hmm. and, and none of that has ever affected or not. I've ever noticed no, no, my no. business. If anything, it's got better, better and better and better. Well, well, you know, you are the ultimate example of it because obviously you, Jordan, and Gav, who isn't here today, mm-hmm. like you know, you're all relatively local to each other. Mm. And you started a podcast together. Yeah, <laughs> you know I know, I mean? it's yeah. like yeah. You, that's the ultimate working together. Mm-hmm. But it never occurred to me not to do it either. Well, and I also feel like I honest. was given such opportunities after my journey on the one show um, from various other trainers that really are at the top of their game. I mean, like Ian, uh, mate, Sarah, you had you had the dream. I did. Well, no, I was Jordan, really lucky. You, you know, Ian, you, Sarah Fisher. Yeah, uh, you, you have to elaborate on, on um, this for people that don't know. <laughs> so, uh, in 2011, I think it was probably what September 2011. I was on the BBC One show, um, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was an old school dominance based trainer at the time, and I had a couple of slots on there. And a campaign was started against me to get me off air, get Jordan Shelley off the telly. I believe the Facebook group. <laughs> there was a few others as well. Yeah, um, never, never <laughs> cursed his surname yeah. so much. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I'm not Jordan Watson. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah, they uh, uh, they started this campaign group, mainly led by Beverly Cuddy, the editor of Dogs Today, and oh, Victoria wow. Stillwell as well was involved uh, in this campaign. Oh wow! I didn't yeah, know that. and so to try and get me off air, they, they kind of wrote a couple of blogs about me. And then the Daily Mail picked up the story, so the Daily Mail ran like two or three articles, and so did the Telegraph. And so then um, I was dropped from the One Show. I then proceeded to well, Beverly wrote a blog, and she wrote something like a line at the end, something about other people, mm-hmm. these people wanting to learn a new way of training or something along those lines, or that they don't want to. So I rang her up and I said, well, "What is it? This training you're talking about?" Um, Actually, that's a lie. She didn't take my call to start with. She thought I was going to shout at her. But then she did take my call um, and said, well, there is this other, it's all positive. I said, well, show me then, show me. And so she emailed Ian in America. And literally two weeks later, I was stood on his doorstep in San Francisco. And we went um, down to the US APDT conference. Um, I met Grisha for the first time. I met Victoria Stilwell. Um, all sorts of amazing. I mean, I'm not going to list everyone because I'll forget people and I'll get in trouble. Yeah, but there was sure, loads sure. of people that I met there, um, and it was just that journey. He showed me so much there that that when I came home, my mind was truly boggled, and I was offered a, a slot on another channel doing what I had been doing beforehand, and I turned it down because I just I couldn't. I wanted to do what was right by the dogs. And to be fair, I was a bit shaken from the whole ordeal, so I, I wasn't I wasn't jumping back in any time soon. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was a it was a huge learning curve for me. But you know, I, granted, I probably wouldn't have changed my mind without the shouting that started the whole thing off. But I also don't think I would have stuck at it, and I probably would have taken the show if I wasn't given that support. And the support that people gave me really was incredible. I mean, mm. you know, then like coming back from America, Steve had me, Steve Mann had me in his office for a cup of coffee and chatted me, he showed me some stuff he'd done on TV when he was younger and said, don't worry, we'll make an idiot of ourselves sometimes, you know, and stuff like that. And then showed me like bits and pieces that he'd been doing. Um, and then I started like training with the IMDT. And then met Sarah Fisher, um, who's lovely, Mummy Fisher, we call her. And I went and did some training with her. She is. No, if, if, if you were to cast a film, right, and you were to cast Mother Nature in a film, that would be Sarah. I'm <laughs> yeah, that would definitely this, be her. This all must have been quite surreal, because obviously yeah. you mentioned their... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but like uh, Beverly Cuddy and, mm-hmm. and Victoria Stilwell, you know, writing these articles that were essentially ag- against you mm-hmm. at the time. And then 
you know, like you've just started this podcast where they're two of your like yeah. first guests. <laughs> so like talk about a turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to go full circle. So, you know, I think that's it's and a nice you, feeling. That should tell you everything you need to know about why these people are at the top of their game as well. Yeah. They haven't they haven't got there from like dismissing like people that make mistakes mm. or you know, or trolling or sitting there at two o'clock in the morning, you know. They concentrate on, on doing the best by the animals and carrying the people in the industry exactly. with them. And I think that's what's key is that really you know, the only reason why you wouldn't help other people is if you have some reason within yourself. It's, yeah. it's, got, it's got nothing to do with the industry. There's plenty of dogs for everybody to train, and I think we should all mm. be helping each other. That's what it comes down to. Well, I think as well, you, you sound like you handled that in a really unique way. Yeah, you I know, was only 21, so it was well, quite, you, uh, you handled <laughs> it extremely maturely to, yeah. to uh, ring up and email them and, and say, hey, look, you know, like, I'm prepared to I was told to not learn. to as well. The lawyer said, no, you've got to stay quiet and don't talk to them because they're journalists. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah, see, see, do you, I mean, do you think that people in your uh, position could have responded in the opposite way and said, I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm going to find other people that think like me and I'm going to stay well away Some from people me. do dig their heels in and I think also it depends on um, how long you've been invested in what you're teaching as well. I think that that also has an effect. You know, I was yeah. relatively young, I was able to change, but if you've been doing that as your career for like 40, 50 years, to suddenly then turn around and go, you know what, everything I've been doing is wrong is quite a... Uh, a career, a career end, ender, really. I mean, it shouldn't be, but it's probably how a lot of people would view it. And so, I think, I think that would probably put you in a slightly different position. But no, I think everyone reacts differently. To be fair, and and I had an opportunity to go and do something completely different, not to do with dogs. And I did contemplate it for a moment, and then decided not to because all I've ever wanted to do is work with animals. Um, mm. How did that all come about in the first place? Anyway, did you already have a business? Or like so, yeah, so I, I started. Uh, I left school quite young. I was sixteen, seventeen. I moved down to Spain, um, and I moved there because I wanted to work as a veterinary uh, um, assistant. And over here, I'd have to go to college to become a vet nurse. Whereas out there, they train me up on the job. So oh, I went wow. down there and trained up on the job. As a, I mean, I was operating within a couple of weeks. That was crazy. The, the experiences <laughs> I had, so assisting in operations, and the experiences I had, I would never be able to repeat here. Yeah. I don't think I'd be able to repeat there now. The health and safety's changed. <laughs> um, so you yeah. want to? <laughs> it was really interesting. I mean, I learned a lot. I, I don't necessarily think I'd do it now, but yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. I wouldn't have changed it. So it was great fun, um, and I learned loads there. Loads about. Uh, um, the physical attributes of dogs but then also about the behaviour of dogs within vet clinics and all that kind of stuff mm. and that was what got me really interested was seeing mm. the dogs there that were really struggling mm. um, and then uh, my dad passed away so that was when I was like uh, 18 turning 19 18 something like that and he um, obviously all the family back in England so I moved back to the UK I came back here and stayed with mum and, and the kids and then looked after my grandma for a while because she had Alzheimer's so I was there for 6-7 years and and, and kind of started working in London, walking, training, and that's how it all started, really. Mm. Um, and the first uh, um, the first producer I wrote a pilot with, I wrote like a little script. Um, mm. I met him in the park over a dog fight. And, and, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and we worked together for a little bit. And then, um, unfortunately, he passed away of a heart attack. He was only 38. Oh, God. Oh, it was God. quite... Uh, yeah, we have to do a whole different podcast on this because <laughs> I, I don't end up crying, so we're not going to do that now. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, and then... Um, I then started working with Brian, who uh, um, is the BBC producer, and that was how I ended up doing what I was doing. Making we made a mm. we made a pilot, then became uh, our segment for the mm. one show. So, yeah. so that's quite a quite a quite strange a way into it, yeah. in itself, because it, it literally just meeting someone in the park. Oh, it was quite a journey, uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I knew what I wanted to do, and as much as I'd already written the pilot. <laughs> like I'd already written, oh yeah, I'd already written the script and everything. Wow. So I had like, I mean, I can go back in my documents from as far back as like 2009. 
I think I I first wrote my first. So what was this for? Um, I wanted to make a uh, puppy training show originally. Okay, that's so this what wasn't the one show then? No, no, no. Originally, like, my idea was to make a puppy training show, and that was what I really wanted to do. I was determined. You're a bit like you. You know, you grow up watching Caesar Milan on TV, and that, that is your hero, and that's what mm-hmm. you're determined to do. And I suppose it was a very similar, mm-hmm. a very similar thing, was I was kind of determined to be and, and do we didn't and have, all this training. We and, didn't have any, an English... British version, did we? Well, like, I mean, such we Bar- have Victoria, Barbara I mean. Woodhouse, yeah, <laughs> but that was a bit, that was a bit before. Yeah, it was very yeah. before, and then there was the Ian show, but that was quite a while ago. We haven't really had that, and I think that it would be great if we did. Yeah. Um, I feel not like suggesting we- that I necessarily want to do it. I'm quite mm. happy making no. a podcast from the forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a hell of a lot of pressure, but I feel like it's a matter of time before there is a positive trainer that is, yeah, uh, very very big. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it, I'm not even sure that TV is the way that's going to go I don't now. Think so. I think mm-hmm. it might be um, like Netflix mm-hmm. or like YouTube yeah. or something. It's going to be some sort of streaming. Yeah, some yeah streaming I think TV's not... like dying a yeah. death now, isn't it? Well, yeah. We were talking. Um, I agree. I know. I had a few ideas from Victoria Stillwell when we were talking about her. Well, she's yeah. setting up her own TV channel, so she's got yeah. positively whatever it is. Yeah, wow. I think, yeah. I think, to be fair, it's up there. I don't don't quote me on it, but I think it's up there and it's yeah, it's up and running. And but I don't know the the website so you might want to put it you with say it's a tv after. channel yeah so she's got her own like streaming online streaming service like oh. animal shows and all that kind of mm. thing so you should check it out yeah oh wow cool. um she was talking to us about it when she was over last so and she yeah because she gave us the web address then so i'm pretty sure it's up and running mm. oh wow yeah. no that's the first i've heard of that yeah because they, they you know it allows you to then start creating all your own content which is where it's at now i mean we've got to a, a place in time where technology is there where you can make your own content well, look at so, us now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. great. You, you can bypass all the, all the yeah. commissioners and yeah. yeah, all the complicated bits and just Well, the stuff. rise of podcasts in itself is extremely helpful, I think. Massive. Well, I think what's really interesting as well is for a while, I thought that uh, uh, podcasts were going to be too long form to last. Um, but interestingly, although people's attention spans have seemed to have got shorter and they're only looking at like quick videos, they're, if they're really interested, they're very happy to sit through a podcast. So. I think I think the attention span thing has only helped podcasts in a mm-hmm. way because when you do want to do a deep dive, mm-hmm. like I, I as as I know you are, I am a podcast geek. Mm-hmm. Like I've listened for years, years and years and years to podcasts. I've I've got like about 20 that I always listen to all the time so I'm just a Joe Rogan geek that's yeah, well, see, well, that's like a three hour podcast two three hour podcast and I'll listen to if I, and it's the people um, I know we were chatting um, online about this a little bit but it's the, always the people that I don't so I get excited when there's people that are on there like Henry Rollins who's supposed to be a massive like Black Flag fan and I get excited about that but then someone will come on it that I've never heard of mm-hmm. Um, and they are quite often the ones that I find the most interesting about it. And then I listen to someone talk for like two hours. Yeah. Well, that's, that's some of the biggest feedback that I get from running a podcast is people say that they listen to it to be introduced to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like people might not have um, heard of someone yep. and then they discover them. Like w- there was a conversation recently in the discussion group on uh, Rob, Rob Hewing's episode where a lot of people really responded very well to that and were okay. kind of like introduced to Rob and they're like, Rob, when's your book coming out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm sure you get the same thing, you know? Yeah, people it's are like, like, you can discuss what? me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not in the same league as Rob. <laughs> well, I, I, like, there isn't a huge amount of children's books out there no, that no, have been written yeah. by dog trainers. Mm. No. That's, 
that's a really. That's, I know Steve Mann's got one coming out, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, is that aimed at children though? No, no, but it's it's what is it? Easy squeezy puppy peasy. I think uh, easy I'm probably peasy, making puppy that squeezy, up, but yeah. it's something along those lines. Yeah, yeah no, that's a very Steve title. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine him smiling whilst he's saying it as well. I like that title. <laughs> he's coming on the podcast to talk about it at some cool. point. Is he? Yeah, we've already arranged that. I my he he was one of the people that I started my dog training journey with because he was doing my sister bless her. I said I wanted to get into dog training and she uh, went online and found um, he was doing courses for dog trainers you know three day courses little place so I went up and did one of them and met him he's a great bloke mm-hmm. great bloke I don't know him as well as you do obviously but um, yeah, yeah. I've only, done a few co- I've only done a few courses with him, but mm-hmm. it's funny how the things that he's said have stuck in my mind. Mm. Like, to the point where um, I forget who told me them. Like, so I put... I put, I went for a phase where I put up a lot of, um, like, dog... Tra- I don't, don't want to call them memes as much as instructional yeah. captioned mm. photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went through that phase. Mm-hmm. And I remember putting up one thing, and Steve was like, I said that. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I, was like oh. I didn't deliberately plagiarise you Steve no, no, no. <laughs> but what you've said has stuck in my mind yeah. years later well you know that's what happens when you have so many years of, of, of uh, uh, industry uh, knowledge and I mean he's just been doing it for so long he's also really charismatic brain. oh yeah and a great teacher I've I mean, got a great story about being, him being charismatic that Corin, my wife will hate me for saying so I'm oh. glad she's in the other room Corin <laughs> <laughs> gets quite nervous in situations and she would never be a person to sort of like raise her hand to uh-huh. do like demonstrations and she did um, a, a course that Steve Mann was, was holding and he and because of how charismatic Steve is he said any volunteers and straight away she's like yes I'm going off I'm going off there so yeah that's that's testament <laughs> to how charismatic Steve is <laughs> definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no Steve is really great and, and like I said he's, he's got a lot of things that he says that um, really stick in in my mind for sure Mm. so yeah I I think he's put out a lot of great stuff and also you know on the topic of educating children you know like he did Mm. the whole who let the dogs out thing and he did it very well I think as well yeah yeah. Yeah, his TV stuff's been really really good I think it's it's really important to educate young people just yeah the more we can do that, the better. Damn right. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> oh, you need your own uh, Who Let the Dogs Out style yeah. children's show next. Because that would be do you know chaos. Any other... Can you imagine? <laughs> do you know I'd any... end up feeding them all jelly beans and getting into trouble. No, they're all bouncing off the walls. get in touch with your BBC producers, mate. Yeah. yeah you've got the contacts and you <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll, um, I'll stay behind the uh, microphone. Hidden from view. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure they're going to have you back on the one show, to be honest. No, yeah, that would be... Uh... <laughs> Actually, there we go. <laughs> start a Facebook group, put yeah. Jordan Shelley back on the telly. Hey, there we are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but very... that is Beverly did. She said in one of her articles afterwards, she goes, I think I, I, it won't be long until I have to write, get Jordan Shelley back on the telly. That was what she wrote. Oh, oh that's yeah, very that poignant. Very sweet, yeah. That is very sweet. Right. Yeah, I don't know her very well, but. She's lovely. And, you know, we've done quite a lot together. I, I've done bits and pieces working up in their office, mm. and, yeah, nice people. Um, and you know she was doing what was right for the dogs and that's the most important thing mm. so how do you like I mean having been for it yourself mm-hmm. how do you think people should react when they see say someone on the telly that is training in, in a very old fashioned way 
Um, I think that obviously you have to complain to the the broadcaster. I think that's the first thing. Um, people go, well, why complain? But you have to complain so that they they realise there's something wrong. Otherwise, they don't um, because they have no knowledge of dog training. Let's face it: if if the general public don't, then broadcasters at TVs yeah. they don't either. We have this as, we have this idea that everyone knows, don't no. they? But they just don't. And so you have to let them know that what's going on is wrong. And then once you've done that, you offer to show them what the right thing is. I think that would be my kind of you know make an mm. offer for them to come train with you. And if they take it, they take it. If they don't, they don't. Oh, so you, now of... you're talking. To, so complain to the broadcaster, but also send a message to the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Send, send them a message and just be like, listen. Mm. I, I, unfortunately, I had to write a, a complaint about what's been going on, but that doesn't mean I, it's, I've got anything against you. You come down and see what we do down here in the forest, and see that's the half I wouldn't have thought about. I definitely think of the reactive sort of like, oh, I'm going to complain about this. Mm, yeah. I'd probably. And you have to do way. that so that they know there's something wrong. But you also, I think, then mm. go listen, mate. If you want to come do stuff, then come do stuff like it, and then <laughs> that then gives people the option of something else because it's that's the, that's the difference I think between constructive criticism and deconstructive criticism yep. is that it's only constructive if you offer them a plausible alternative mm-hmm. and it, again it comes down to the way we train dogs we set dogs up to succeed mm-hmm. by offering them alternatives that they mm-hmm. then take and we reinforce and so we should be doing the same with people I very much felt um, like saddened I would say mm-hmm. by some of the response I see to trainers that are on TV where like it, it happened for sure with like Caesar Milan where he went through that phase where like I think he was like suicidal and stuff like that and people mm. wrote the nastiest messages and it's like you know what it's it's horrible but unfortunately you get to a certain point where you always have a troll mm. like you do yeah. I mean it, it's a horrible thing to say mm. but you always have a troll I mean like I've got uh, uh, a few on my block list that somehow managed to reappear you always mm. have one and, and you get so big then at some point that you always have quite a few mm. and it is it's really sad that people can be so nasty when they're behind a keyboard mm. uh, and well, some of the things they say and it's not even about the dog training it becomes personal a lot of the yes, time yeah. and that's where we kind of have to draw the line it's okay to say listen what you're doing is wrong please come learn stuff with me or, or why don't you mm. go and do this but mm. it's not okay to start attacking people on a personal level that's really wrong I had it after the one show oh, I had people saying all sorts slagging off my dad all sorts of crazy things really oh yeah really random mm. like shouty messages and it's not a nice thing I had to I felt like I was escaping when I went to America to mm. get away from everything that was going on and the fact the mail were hanging about that was that sort of did my head in I was using a neighbour's driveway I managed to fool them for days <laughs> yay I, I loved it that was actually quite fun that was the only part of it that was fun was actually trying to sneak around the journey. so they were outside your house yeah 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 yeah, yeah. they were what down were the bottom trying, of my drive for like two or three days to get? I don't know so, and unfortunately someone let them in once by mistake so someone who was there staying with me yeah they said oh they had an appointment with, with me which they didn't uh, okay. yeah and said they were from some dog yeah and, and so they let them in but no they were hanging around trying to get some kind of story I don't, I'm not sure what how strange yeah and so I was sneaking through the bushes into my neighbour's house and then going out their driveway Oh wow, that's yeah. that's crazy. It was bonkers, and because yeah. a twenty-one-year-old kid, you kind of yeah. yeah I, I, I was. I remember. Sort of I remember. You know, I didn't know you then, but I remember. I do remember the episode. I remember people talking about it. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was it was a big. There was a lot on social media. It was a big thing, wasn't it? Yeah, at the time it was. I guess that's you know, why they're all it's watched by millions. That the the one show, so it's mm. quite. A, it's a huge. I don't know what their viewing figures are, but it's a huge uh, viewing, and uh, yeah, blows my mind, mate. Like twenty-one, that does like that to to do what if that had happened to me, I probably would have moved to a different country, but still be there now, somewhere on a beach, somewhere yeah. just like going, oh, okay, well that didn't work. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't have done it. I, I, I don't think I'd have been as resilient as you and. 
I think show. that in a in a in a morbid kind of way, the losing my dad and the friend of mine prepared me for the. I mean, no, no one was dead, and I always say that people yeah, look at me yeah. like you were a weirdo, but it was true. No one, and so actually, nothing can be worse than that. And you kind of find your way through. If you can find your way through those things, you can find your way through pretty much anything else. You just have to stay and stick and and try and do what's right. Like, I think that's the. Did, did you feel like it would come to an end? What the the um. You know the harassment by the newspapers and and um, all the horrible messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but unfortunately, what happened was was when it did come to an end, then I was getting harassed from the other other way round. So once okay. I came, once I came back from America, okay. yeah, once I came back okay. from America, um, I had uh, four different old schooly kind of trainers that were seriously harassing me because mm. I'd you're like the traitor. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, one of them to the point where actually I had to get a restraining order. Really? Uh, oh yeah, he threw poisoned meat into my garden for my dogs and was like wow. harassing me. And, and, God, I'm finding yeah. stuff out on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. quite. Uh, and so he has a there's a restraining order against him. Good lord. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you, you kind of then get it. That's from the other side, you know. And it, it's really? quite. And what frustrated me then, even more than anything else, was where was he? Like weeks ago, mm. when everyone was shouting. Mm. Well, that's, the, that's the other thing that I found bizarre was that there was all these uh, 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 trainers that I've, I've been training like that stayed dead quiet when there was all the stuff going on on the, on the one show and everything else and they only popped their heads out afterwards to then have a go I wonder rather if, uh, than offer any uh, support a lot so. of that is to do with that abundant like what's scarcity mindset so yeah. if someone goes down and like yes yeah I'm going to replace Jordan <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. who knows yeah. Um, yeah, that's a crazy story. Is it, yeah, it was, it's been a journey. So, uh, um, but you know, I think all these things in life shape us into who we are. And I, I don't think mm. I would be the person I am now without all those experiences. And mm. people often often say, "Oh, would you do it differently?" And I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. You know, that's yeah. the thing. Is you know, life's a funny balancing act between the yin and the yang, isn't it? Yeah, you're tight roping through. Mm. Yeah, you get well, through. I, th- I think it, in. I mean, it probably. Did certainly didn't feel like this at the time mm-hmm. but I think it, it probably helped you yeah uh, yeah. yeah for sure um, yeah. I'm sure it did, it, it, did. It, it opened my mind to being able to uh, more freely uh, um, look at my own opinions and change my own opinions um, and I think it, it toughened me up a bit as well mm-hmm. so you know it gave me like thicker skin which is to a certain extent you do kind of need I mean yep. if you're going to stick your head above the parapet mm-hmm. you have to make that choice if you're going to stick your head above the parapet you have to have a certain level of thickness to your skin because there'll always be someone that says something somewhere that's mm-hmm. the that's the way it works I mean I remember when I, the, the article from the Daily Mail that was up was going around in Australia and it was going around in Australia, I don't know, like about two years later, and people were slagging me off in some dog training group. Mm-hmm. And then actually, it was really nice, because I have, like, there's a group of people that seem to appear on posts about me. I don't know where they come from, or how they know where, I, where I'm being spoken about, but they just sort of appear. And then there's, no, no, he's a really lovely guy, and they're writing this stuff. <laughs> and they, and they, do, they appear, it's really lovely. They appear all over that's the place. So, nice. Yeah, oh. it's just every now and again, you'll see someone saying something that, that's not true or is old or whatever, and it's sort of like three or four or five of them that just kind of pop up. And Jordan's appear guardian and, angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah my yeah. Facebook angels. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, I mean, I. You, but the only thing that you did is you did it on national television. Yeah, well, I. I, I think. I think though, to be fair, stuff in the to name be fair of to everybody as well. Work. Though at the time, I feel like it, 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 timing-wise, it came at a time when people have 
felt like they got past the worst of the Milan just hump. a little bit you know what I mean yeah. like everyone had just started to get over it and things had just really started to move on from their point of view as, as in public perception mm-hmm. and then I ch- turned up on the BBC which is not you know yeah. I think and that, that was part of it and the fact as well that no matter how much they shout at him nothing would happen whereas shouting at someone that's a lot smaller yes. you're more likely for it to be so you get some of his stick mm-hmm. too you know it's, it's a whole psychology is fascinating and there's a whole combination behind mm-hmm. it but you know, mm. I wouldn't change it, and I'm very pleased where I am. Well, well, now one of the things I see you most involved in is fighting the whole BSL yeah. thing. So I got like more and more involved in campaigning politically. I find it fascinating. It's like a recent um, thing, the uh, um, App Dog, which is the all-party parliamentary dog welfare group. Okay. I go up to their meetings at par- Parliament at Portcullis mm-hmm. House. Um, just to sit and listen and then to write about them afterwards and, and hopefully kind of give a bit of an opinion uh, mm. on, on everything. And it's interesting because obviously BSL was part of it. Um, there was obviously, which is breed-specific legislation. Yeah, I was just going to ask you to clarify that. Yeah, so breed-specific legislation um, is the um, outlawing of uh, a couple of types of dogs, basically. And it type is such a vague, undefined, nonsensical thing that that really uh, um, just leads to loads of confusion and loads of dogs that are just crossbred that don't even necessarily have to have any of the DNA of that named type of dog in them and they're getting put to sleep so it's, mm. it's, it's bonkers and it doesn't keep people safe the only way to keep people safe is to educate mm. and probably to control ownership on, on, a, on a whole level because I do think there's a lot of people out there that shouldn't have dogs that have dogs and we need to look at that um, but that's not going to be popular no no yeah it, it <sighs> seems like a real dilemma because I mean how do you deal with this I mean there's like people bring up licensing mm-hmm. as, as one potential option but you know, dogs have been licensed in the past, and I'm not sure that that really had any kind of positive. So, the, 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 the one difference now with licensing is that you can connect it to microchip details, okay. uh-huh. which can be connected because we're able to database things. You know, whereas uh-huh. back then when it was in, it, it was in last time, it was all a paper system. So, okay. at least now it would be able to be an electronic system that, okay. in theory, people could. Uh, look up more easily. The, the problem is, is how do you enforce it, and who's going to enforce it? Yeah, yeah, because we don't really have enough hands out there to enforce it. As it, so it's a quite a comp- complex issue, really. Mm. Um, and I don't necessarily know where we kind of go from here. But what, one thing I do know is that that creating a list of dangerous dogs that should be put to sleep simply because of the way they look does not keep people safe no. and damages animal welfare like a hundred percent. Well, I, I think that's one of the biggest roadblocks. Is I imagine. Obviously, I don't know really much about politics, but when there isn't a, a clear alternative, mm-hmm. like it seems like we just tend to fall back on what's already being done. Mm-hmm. And there does seem to be a lot of um, opinions on mm-hmm. on what's the right thing to do. And, well, and there's just such a lack of understanding. Even I was sat listening to Lord Gardner, who, who is the head of DEFRA, uh, um, and was there talking to the uh, inquiry, even he didn't understand how his own law was implemented, which is absurd. Like, the way he was describing it and explaining it, he had no clue of the implementation of, of the law, and he kept discussing pit bulls as if they were a breed, and they're not, they're a type, and mm. that's two completely different things. There is a pit bull, American pit bull terrier, which is a breed, that none of these dogs are. I can guarantee you if you, were to, if you were to DNA test them, none of them would have any of it in there. These are mixtures of mm. all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And what's absurd as well is you can get uh, 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 certain breeds of dogs now that are very closely related to a pit bull terrier right that because they have the documentation that shows that they're another type of dog so another sorry breed of dog so um like an american bully or something like that they would be considered legal 
even though their heritage is Pitbull Terrier. I mean, the whole thing is bonkers. Whereas if you then lost their paperwork and they were to go into a rescue, they would probably be typed and put to sleep just because you've lost the paperwork. How's that keeping yeah. people safe? Like, what, what, it's nonsense. And a lot of, the, a lot of this, by the, the, the stuff that actually happens... So bites, uh, Yeah. Uh, it always happens around scenarios, you know, generally around similar scenarios, like dog being left to someone that doesn't quite know the dog, kids being around. The, uh, the, the main, the main uh, uh, thread within every uh, um, dog bite really is the uh, primary carer isn't present. Yeah. That's the common thread. It isn't present, even if it, that means in the next room, but the primary carer isn't present. That's, you know, it wouldn't happen if they were stood there. Yeah. Or if it did, it would be controlled much better. You know, like a You can't ignore that sort of data, can no, you? Exactly. Well, it's coming back that. One of the problems, of course, with dogs of type mm-hmm. is that they inherently attract people that shouldn't have dogs, right? Yeah. And then those people are. You, it's like in but London. I think, can, you, can we ask you, if you were to walk around the streets of London now, most of the lads have Akitas. Mm. Yeah? yeah? So I don't know. I mean, well, it's not. Was, is there a big. Dogs. I mean, to be fair, in a is more likely to protect you than, than a staffy. Yeah, yeah. The whole idea of dogs as weapons, isn't it? And, mm. and for a long time, I, I think this has changed. You probably know better than me, but you could. It was almost like a loophole mm. where you could like set a dog on someone and there would be no repercussions for you. Yeah, whereas now that's completely changed now, and there 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 isn't those same loopholes. I mean, I think people uh, people do obviously still use dogs to intimidate other people. Uh, um, but it's not quite it doesn't seem to feel quite the same in, in the same sort of way and I think people are more aware of it and I do believe that is part of the reason why the police are they were willing to work with the inquiry and everything else but they're reticent to uh, um, just allow anyone to have them because it also gives them an in mm. it means if you see a type dog and you know there's something dodgy going on but you can't prove it you can go into that house because the dog's off type so yeah. it gives them an into the the property. So there's there's a whole host of reasons why it's still there and why it mm. happens the way it does. And it's very complicated from a from a political point of view. Because if you were to if you were to suddenly remove a ban and the next day someone was to be mauled by a type dog, yeah. then it, that would be on your your yeah. career in your you know. Mm. That's not and want. that's almost you know it's just a matter of time. You know every dog breed bites someone <laughs> bite bite people. So and that's the thing is we've got so obsessed in society with the fact that these dogs should be perfect and like dogs all dogs bite yeah, yeah. And dogs, they're animals they're going to mm. bite that's that's part of who they are and how they are and we just need to respect them as individuals and stop putting them in ridiculous situations I've been bitten many times in my life by mm. dogs never as you a dog trainer no, exactly. mm. I used to be a postman <laughs> and yeah I, I yeah I always sit, the situations would always be suddenly I'm in someone's front garden and the dog is loose mm. and of course yeah the, you know I was putting myself in those situations but most of the time I didn't know the dog was there and if I was ever um, delivering to rural areas where like massive like you know places out in the country and things mm. like that so you turn up you know mm. you'd be walking up their driveway and suddenly you'd realise that uh, the dog's behind you <laughs> but the worst bite I ever got actually was from um, a dog that I got on really well with lovely little border collie um, bitch and I, I used to see it all nice. the time yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, I uh, I I used to see her every day. I used to see her every day, and I used to come in and I used to pet her and everything like that. And then one day I came in, put my hand out, and she was still got scars now across there. She just boom, latched onto my hand, didn't let go, was ragging my hand. I could feel like the skin tearing mm, as she yeah, was doing sure. it. Um, and kids had been firing a cat pole at her all morning. Oh. Some one of the neighbours came in, and I was just the unlucky person that walked through the gate. And they went, Hi, and then, yeah, yeah bang. Um, oh. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, it's always looking back on that. Always 
putting the dogs in situations where I'm approaching them in places where they were either cornered or felt cornered or and there was well, no information yeah. given to postman really or good I mean, stuff. The, the only really nasty bite I had was also when I wasn't working and I jumped into someone's garden after another dog that dug under their fence uh, yeah big rotty on the other side that saw, saw this person come flying over the fence he was like oh hello <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he attached himself to my bum cheek and that was a very painful sorry experience. I don't mean to laugh yeah thanks <laughs> yeah that's how I, had to, I had to sort of manhandle him and hold him still so that he didn't pull my bottom off um, and <laughs> wait for the person that was inside that was running down the garden to come and release me oh my yeah. god yeah yeah I was holding him it felt for quite a long time but I don't think it was this is like the, uh, the, the scene in Jaws where <laughs> Yeah, that's not a dog you want to get bitten by, is yeah, it? Walking around. Well, then I turned up at the vet because it obviously it attacked the dog that was a friend that had dug yeah. under their fence. Um, so I turned up at the vet with the dog in my arms, going, "Please tell me she'll be okay." She was, they, they were crying, and she said, "Yeah, yeah, she'll be fine." And I stood there, and went, "Oh, damn!" She goes, "What? I'm in pain." She goes, "Are you?" I was like, "Yeah." Suddenly, the, the relief of the yeah. dog being okay, the adrenaline, like suddenly yeah. just kicked out and I was like damn and I dropped my trousers she goes I'm a vet I'm a vet <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was quite amusing <laughs> you told me I don't know if you're prepared to tell it on the podcast so I probably shouldn't throw you on what's he going to do now one of the funniest stories I've ever heard of you do you know the one I'm talking about I don't about? know go on no, go the for one it. where your shorts fell down <laughs> uh, you've got to tell another. Okay, I, yeah. So there was a uh, there was a, a, a deaf. I was working with a deaf um, staffy <laughs> type, and my staffy, and we were out in the garden, and something gave him a fright, and obviously he couldn't hear, and he was looking for it, and then Jazz walked past him and touched him on his side. This was a very long time ago, and he just turned and went for him and had him, and they were holding each other. And I'm stood there on my own. It's the middle of summer in a pair of shorts, nothing else on apart from a pair of shorts in the sunshine. And I go, shit. And so I quickly ran, grabbed the dogs, and like, I'm holding them. And as I'm holding them, I'm trying not to let go because they won't let go of each other. He catches my shorts with his, like, paw. So my shorts now end up, like, down by my ankles. So I've, I, I'm there basically naked with these two bullies that are holding on to each other, thinking, well, I hope they re- don't redirect because this, this could be somewhat unfortunate. Um, and then uh, a neighbor came in who, who, who heard some commotion and he actually does genuinely and he did genuinely I don't live there anymore but did genuinely sound like Bora he was quite character and he goes you okay and I was like no no I'm not he goes okay and then he comes oh, running God. in am I okay I'm stood there with my trousers by my ankles with two dogs and then luckily he managed to hold one and we got them apart and then I managed to pull my trousers up so there we go oh god that's yeah. all well that ends well yeah. yeah and at least there was no redirection so we were fine <laughs> oh dear that did tickle wow me. That's a hell of a story. Yeah, thank you, uh, Steve. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's I'm not that bad. Yeah, that's, that's okay. There's worse ones I could think of. No, no, we don't. <laughs> we do a Jordan's Mystery album. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> what would you do about the whole BSL situation? If you had the power, what would you oh. sort of say would be the solution? I have the power. Um, what would I say would be the solutions? Personally, I would... Um, I would probably bring in uh, uh, some kind of dog licence, I would say. Um, I would uh, link it all to microchips. I would 
then obviously get rid of uh, the breed-specific part of the legislation, focusing on dogs that are dangerously out of control and that those are the ones that should be having control orders. Um, and then I would look at some kind of education scheme, um, both in schools for young people so that they, we can educate them so that they don't get themselves into trouble and, and around dogs and, and people as well that are just scared of dogs in general need that education. Um, but then also I think that for dogs that are given warnings, because we often work down here with a lot of the dogs um, that are given warnings by the police locally and, and so they, they come to us to, to work with us and... and they then go away and they've progressed and they've got somewhere and they can have that that lifted and and i think that that's quite important and it should be something that's rolled out nationally almost like a um what's a driver's awareness course or something that when you you know when you need help you're given that help and that guidance so that things don't become a problem i think that early intervention is huge um and then we need really really desperately to look at breeding and um Again, tightening up. I know people don't like hearing it. But I'm not, uh, although I'm vegan, and people say vegans are all anti-breeding. I'm not. I'm, I'm quite uh, uh, sensible in, in, in regards that I understand the need for a stable genetic population, uh, uh, both from a genetic point of view, epigenetic point of view, the whole thing. But uh, uh, I do think it's important to control where these dogs are coming from. Because if you look at, statistically, all these dogs that are biting, they're generally not from great places. They're generally not from great breeders. Mm. And they're generally not living in great places either. So I think that's quite important as well. And that we get some kind of control over the breeding population. Because I personally would say that... Uh, um, a dog's parents and the parent's life and the parent's behaviour would have more effect on that individual puppy uh, uh, than uh, its actual breed. Its environment then has an even greater effect on it, but the breed's not necessarily the same as who its parents are. You know, epigenetics plays a much larger role than I think we give it credit. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. But, and, and, and education I, is huge. That's yeah, I wanted to come back to that as well. But there certainly is... Uh, uh, link to breed as well, isn't there? And I don't. This this is one of the hypocrisies of the mm-hmm. bill, though, because you know I was looking at a study the other day where they um, analysed uh, different breeds, mm-hmm. and like German Shepherds came off as being one of the most fearful mm-hmm. or prone to fear mm-hmm. breeds. So like there there is a clear like link in some breeds to say fear that then might. <laughs> I think also, so if you're looking at statistics as well, you have to bear in mind that generally it's they're they're averaged, yeah. So they they look at the breed and they then then try and average it out across the whole breed. Mm. And within certain breeds, especially if you work with them, I mean, I know that we see it locally a lot. So within certain uh, uh, breeds of dogs, you find different lines. So I know that one's parents, and I know that one's parents, and actually they're all really lovely dogs. But within that same breed, you can then meet this one who's awful I mean that's a terrible thing to say I shouldn't label a dog awful but who has all these like uh, uh, issues and, and behavioural problems and physical issues sometimes as well and you can see a whole line of them you, you meet their family and their parents yeah, and you can see, see actual lines mm. of these different dogs that are so I think it's more complex than that mm. yes some breeds of dogs uh, um, have been used uh, uh, historically for things that require them to hit the roof of their adrenaline mm. very very quickly mm. so you have to bear that in mind when you're choosing to, to home a dog but it's not just a uh, uh, bully type I mean it's mastiffs it's all you know oh, that's the yeah. thing is is there's lots of dogs out there that are perfectly um, legal that uh, uh, really are uh, capable of doing just as much mm. and, and, and could in theory be prone mm. and so it's not about the, mm. the type of dog it's about uh, um, all the other things that are, are are we I don't know I'm just playing devil's advocate slightly here are we in danger and this isn't necessarily what I think before mm. I throw myself mm-hmm. down here but no, are we do in danger you know, you know with the the whole because we talk all the time mm-hmm. on our podcast um, about 
every dogs being individuals and that's something that I strongly believe mm. in that each one's individual approach each case mm. each one mm. look at everything the whole holistic approach mm. all of that but are we in danger of going too far away from looking at what how it, breed affects unfortunately something? people have a habit of swinging one way or the other yeah. and never in their really settling with the pitchforks yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is, you can see yeah. it in politics you see it in dog training and you can see Feeding, you know understanding of yeah people swing all over the place yeah, you, you really have to look at the micro and the macro don't yeah. you mm. and I think that's probably what I was trying to say very clumsily <laughs> but like yeah, there is a, definitely a difference between breeds, and yep. then also what you were saying, Jordan. You know, the, like the individuals. I, kn- I know trainers that you know live near puppy farms. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just see the same dogs coming out mm-hmm. over and over again that are prone mm-hmm. to particular behaviour issues. So you you definitely see both. It's and, a combination and, of everything, and, and and also if you were to take, for example, uh, uh, um, a uh, type of dog or a breed of dog, and you were to breed it for show, you would end up with a very different dog than. So we've got loads of these different lines even within them already. So it's just about being sensible. Obviously, you have to recognise that certain um, traits do exist within certain dogs for whatever reason. Sure, either yeah. you know, and so we just have to understand that and, and look appropriately at where dogs should be homed, who they should be living with, and that's not just what breed you should have. That's whether you should have a dog or not. I think there's also a lot of wrong ideas about how you raise particular breeds you know like i work with a lot of people that have the kind of classic big dogs like german shepherds rottweilers and stuff and they think because they've got those big dogs Mm. those dogs have to man up they have to be if they've got a nervous say shepherd or whatever Mm -hmm. they've got a man up they've got to work through it Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of what we would call flooding Mm -hmm. yep and and actually i find uh, this is maybe where i was talking about more the macro and the breeds Mm -hmm. oftentimes like with shepherds for example I find them to be quite nervous a lot of time when they're young. Mm-hmm. And I always say to people that it's like Jenga, right? Like you just got to build them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, I got this German shepherd to protect the house. Yeah. And there he is carrying an umbrella. Well, the, I mean? yeah, yeah. yeah. There's the like, irony there as well. Is the reason they're such so good at protecting things is probably because yeah. they're nervous. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the, so what I'm saying is maybe it's attracting the wrong person a lot of time. Mm, and yep. it's like, you, you're best approach is not to put this dog mm-hmm. through hell yeah. it's actually just to build his confidence slowly yeah. mm-hmm. I mean you got little Ziggy at the yeah, moment yeah, yeah. Zig who, and her confidence is building slowly slowly uh, you know and it's taken a long time because bless mm-hmm. her she was a, a bit of a nervous wreck when she first came and that's just anxiety and over arousal and so we just had to reduce everything down for her so that she can cope with what she's got and slowly build her back up again but I think with any dog you need to give them those like really firm foundations to, to start with and it's from there that you can then kind of build on I think we it's the one thing is that we really need to focus on how the dog is feeling and how we change the underlying way that they feel about things rather than just looking at the end behavior because you can look at the end behavior all day long and try and just manipulate that one thing but if if the dog's stressed in so many other areas it's impossible Mm. so you need to look at how it feels and then create those positive associations so it feels Mm. better in 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 those well this is one of the huge advantages of training in the, the way that you know we all do and the philosophy that we've come across is you can actually oftentimes pair both right like mm. this is something i remember like going back to when i started you know talking about steve mann earlier that's mm. one of the things i learned from him is you know when you work with reactive dogs you might say hey, i want to work on teaching this dog to give me eye contact around other dogs or whatever but the way that you do that is so critical because if you're making that fun then on the mm. flip side of the coin you're mm. building a positive good experience with other dogs mm-hmm. and yeah. both of those things are like intrinsically tied together you can't yeah. separate them but if you were to go about that in a harsher way, 
then you'd be doing the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you would yeah. be creating a dog that I mean, shuts down. Imagine, imagine the difference between going out and, and, and kind of having a game with someone where they're reinforcing you, looking at looking at you every time, and, and all that kind of stuff, compared to someone being stood there, forcing you to look at them when another dog's walking straight behind. If you start at that point, it's going to be a really negative experience for the dogs. Whereas actually, if you start at distance, make it a really fun game, they're going to love the whole thing. And I think that's what's that's what's so training should be fun for the dog should be fun for the people that's what it comes down to really it should be fun and it should be about building success but that's what learning should be about generally I think we, we've kind of lost that I mean not that we've ever had it but we've lost that with people as well you know when and I'm talking about in schools and all sorts you know it's all about hitting these grades and hitting these marks when actually it should be about success and building that success and working on your own individual yeah, yeah. And, and building that I think yeah. that's really important and, and that's how you create a positive happy well-rounded person or dog yeah absolutely it's the gamifying of learning which yeah. is becoming really popular nowadays that's it isn't yeah. it? that is it making yeah. your, your dog want to be with you wanting to engage that's, ah, that's they, everything there you go that's a, yeah. that's a good segue onto uh, onto your podcast because yeah yeah, that's that's a lot of what I do, the engagement stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so in terms of where people can come across your stuff... The Barking Mad Show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a podcast, The Barking Mad Show. It's me, Jordan, me, Steve Goodall, probably say my name, um, Jordan Shelley and Gav Muldoon. Um, uh-huh. We sporadically release them at the moment. We're going to try and get a bit more... We, yeah, we're going to try and get organised, but I've been left in charge at the moment, so that's not probably the best big solution. mistake yeah. <laughs> he's always in his garden with his shorts down holding on the dog he's never any time to pay anything out um, but that yeah. sounds so wrong <laughs> but yeah um, yeah. you can find us there we've got a Facebook page um, The Barking Mad Show um, where, where can people find your book again Steve and it, we're on Spotify SoundCloud and iTunes yeah? yeah we're all over the shop as far as places to listen to the thingy yeah. um, the book is so on Facebook if you find Jack and Billy Puppy Tales we've got a page there um, and give us a like um, we'll be doing a lot of uh, telling people what's coming up we're posting little pictures coming from the books so you can have a look and see what it's all about some great little memes as well I saw yeah I'm day. doing a few little memes um, <laughs> Steve's had his using, pencil kit out yeah <laughs> I, said, I, I stopped drawing ages ago and then when I got back into it I was like oh I'm really enjoying this now so I thought oh, I might as well use it for some sort of good um, try not to steal some of Steve Mann's quotes so yeah, yeah, watch out on that one. I know, yeah, I know exactly what you mean though, because suddenly you think, "Hang on a minute, did I, did I think no, of that, or did that just come into my brain?" And, and also, I should say, because uh, it feels like maybe I've painted him in a negative light. <laughs> Not at all. He he was very. Uh, he was very good about it. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, yeah, I can't I imagine, imagine Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like he was like, you know, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was like, I'm sure he said that when you hung up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he was very good about it. And um, we've also got um, a webpage, which is uh, com, where there's a little bit of information about authors and things and pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right, thank you great. so much for having us it's thanks been... for coming on yeah, yeah and, and so also much. we should say um, this is going to be another one of those kind of collaboration yeah. deals so mm-hmm. now you've listened to this one go over to the Barking Mad show and, and uh, check out yeah. me on your show so. yes when I sporadically release it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely awesome All well, right, thank, thank you, you so much. much mate really thank good you. thank you Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. That was a huge amount of fun to record. And just to save you from looking up all of those links, you can get them all in one place by going to nickbenger.com slash barking hyphen mad. And also, I kind of want to give a shout out to something that I've been 
trying to push a bit more recently i wrote a guide for engagement how to get your dog more connected with you on on dog walks uh, mostly off lead is, is where my focus is and that's great for dog owners dog trainers it's just kind of give you a brief introduction to what engagement is and to get that go to barkplayteach.com slash the hyphen engagement hyphen guide and one thing that you will also do by by entering your email and getting that sent out to you is you'll be joined to my mailing list which is also where i i email you to let you know that the podcast has come out and usually there's a little bit of a story or i i often include stories and all that kind of stuff there as well so that can be quite fun Uh, a little bit of kind of additional content for you there as well and of course this podcast was sponsored by butternut box butternut box are a really cool company they deliver the dog food to your door it's home cooked it's great ingredients it's rated as five stars by all about dog food and as a podcast listener you can get 75 percent off your first order so it's well worth doing that and and giving it a shot um so to get 75 percent off go to butternutbox.com slash nick benger Awesome. See you guys.